Hey everybody, welcome back to Pretend Worlds Real People. As always, I'm Tyler, and I have a very special 4th of July weekend episode in store for all of you. However, I have some quick housekeeping notes before we get to this fantastic interview. It'll take 30 seconds. First of which being, we are going to be at Denver Fan Expo this weekend, June 30th through July 2nd. So if you're there, come by, say hi, take a picture. We're all going to nerd out there. I cannot wait to <laughs> just lose my mind over, you know, all the celebrity guests, the voice actors, seeing all the cool cosplay stuff. It's just, it's a lot of fun. So if you're at Denver Fan Expo, come on over and say hi. And in addition to that, after you listen to this interview, if you wouldn't mind dropping us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, it just helps us, you know, get more exposure to more Apple Podcast listeners. We're doing awesome, but you know what? We can always do better. So if you wouldn't mind dropping us a five-star review, I will personally thank you with a virtual high five. Now, without further ado, let's get right into this week's episode, and I had a chance to talk to somebody I've been wanting to chat with for years. You've seen this guest in the cult classic comedy Summer School, In the Army Now with Polly Shore, Austin Powers with Mike Myers, Jane the Virgin, and Netflix's most recent blockbuster series, FUBAR. I had a chance to chat with the wonderfully talented Fabiana Udenio to talk about her life, working as an actress, moving to another country to work as an actress, and just her love for theater, film, and television. It was a wonderful chat. I had so much fun with her. Didn't have a whole lot of time, so that's why this episode is a little bit shorter, but I hope to have her back on the show in the future. So, without further delay, please help me welcome the incredible Fabiana Udenio. My name is Fabiana Udenio, and I am an actress. I've been an actress since I was 11, 12 years old, and uh, I'm now living, I was born in Argentina, grew up in Italy, and I've been in Los Angeles, in the United States for a few decades now. Wow. Well, you know, and the first question I always have to ask, because it's always interesting, when did your passion or your interest in the entertainment industry, you know, occur? When did that happen for you? Interesting. Very early on, I have my sister telling me that even at six or seven, I was imitating commercials and I really, really, and craving that kind of uh, attention from characters, mostly imitating what I was seeing on TV. It was commercials mostly that she tells me. Um, and then pretty much 10 or 11, I started liking theater and I did a little play in a local theater uh, when I was 11, 11 and a half. And then, so I really, really had a desire of doing it very early on. I, and then uh, I just so happened to enter a, a beauty pageant, teenager, and I won Miss Teenager of Italy. Uh, and um, mostly to, to start to get a foot in the, in the entertainment industry. And I was very fortunate that right after that winning that uh, pageant, I was picked by a very, very uh, prestigious theater director and theater company in Italy, Piccolo Teatro di Milano. His name is, was Giorgio Streller. He passed away. And he chose me to play Miranda in The Tempest. Um, and so I got a really good, solid um, theater background. And I was so young uh, that the, the, the theater company sort of 
groomed me with the voice and the presence and everything under the the, the direction of uh, George Ostrella to uh, be ready for this big um, uh, debut on the Tempest in a really famous cast. So that gave me sort of a, a, um, a you know, a, a calling card, how do you say, a, a um, uh, you know, sort of a 360 from being a miss teenager to doing this big. So it gave me a range and uh, uh, introduced me as a respectable actor at such a young age. And for a while, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to do theater. Uh, I wanted to be Juliet. I wanted to be Juliet directed by Strelle. And he, he never did that. He never did Romeo and Juliet. So I never got to do that. For And after a few years, I started doing musical theater and um, and then I fell in love with uh, cinema and uh, American actors and method acting and actor studio and and I started exploring you know film and all of that. Wow, that's such a a journey. I wish we could unpack as much as we could. Uh, but I do want to talk about your shift into cinema, film, and, and television. What about it, especially like the the American actors part of it? What about that stood out to you? What what was driving you to that? Uh, well, probably the the Stanislavski method and exploring those feelings within you uh, might have, and also just the movies that I was seeing at such a young age. Like um, I remember Kramer Kramer versus Kramer, um, The Deer Hunter, Robert De Niro, Meryl Streep. These amazing actors and I remember going to the only cinema in Italy that would show these movies with the original language I did I wanted to hear them and so I my English was pretty good already so there were the, a couple of cinemas that would show them with the original voices otherwise if you went to a regular theater it would be dubbed from very very good Italian actors but I wanted to really go see the original you know, so I fell in love with these actors and those movies, um, yes, and uh, and the passion for a different sort of expression than in theater, like this, the the small the the small screen and and uh, method acting and Stanislavski and all of that. Yeah, that's okay. And was there any uh, any obvious personal shift when you went from theater to being on camera? As far as you know bringing the performance down, maybe adjusting your voice. Did you find any struggle with that? Or was it pretty, pretty easy to just go from one to the other? Um, well, because the history, you know, I was so young, so I didn't have decades of history on the stage. So it was not too hard. And it's always um, easier to bring something down, to know how to make it bigger. And then, and then say, okay, shake it all off and make it small and bring it down. To me, I think, in my opinion, than to just not be able to to make it, you know, to go to make it to make more of it. It's uh, to me. So um, it took a little bit of, and it always helps if you have a good director or um, to uh, to to guide you into the different medium. Um, and uh, let's see. Uh, Quickly after that, I was 20 years old when I was cast in a soap opera. Um, so I went to New York to do one, and they cast me over in Italy. I went to New York to, to play a regular character on One Life to Live. Wow. So doing that gave me a pretty good course 
in the language because you gotta learn it fast and, and they shoot one episode per day. So, and also in how um, my performance was on camera because I could see it and the classes that I took in New York when I was living there. I was studying with uh, Warren Robertson and and so I was seeing all these amazingly talented actors some of them couldn't even find a job you know like they, but there were so I was I was very grateful to have a job uh, in a soap opera I felt really sort of intimidated by these amazing mm, students that were studying in New York and uh, so it was uh, a challenge to to do good work not just the work that you're given just just explore other characters and explore other um, uh, forms of you know, uh, expression. Yeah. You know, I do want to touch on obviously that, that shift when you, uh, you know, you're in the soap opera, then you started appearing in, in more films and television. I do want us to ask you about your, uh, your mindset during that period. Cause you were very much a staple of my upbringing, whether it's, oh. you know, Mortal Kombat conquest or in the army now, or Austin powers, obviously. Uh, but you, you were popping up in everything that I saw as I was, you know, growing up essentially and i just want to see especially for that time what was going through your head as you were you know i'm sure at the time it didn't seem like you were appearing in these really just fantastic and uh like long driven projects that would carry on for for decades after but what was happening to you internally as you were you know you were booking all these jobs and you were going into the lineup did you feel uh like you needed to find a place of solace at the end of each day or did you feel really comfortable in that that spotlight what was that like for you I, I was very focused on on being an act. That's what um, I was. I, I was in a stable relationship. I was already married, really young, so my social life was very calm. So we were like he was an actor as well. So we were just living and breathing and acting. So it didn't seem like I, I wish I wanted to be working more. It did at the time. It's funny you mentioned that because at the time it seemed like. Why aren't I doing more? But um, one of the things I am proud of is um, that I always gave it my best. And, uh, you know, there was diversity in what I did. And that was uh, flexible. And I, I, I knew I wanted work. And I knew I was a foreign actor in, in the United States when at a time where perhaps it wasn't as open to different accents or different looks. It was, so I needed to be, I knew I needed to be uh, adaptable and versatile. And so I was lucky to uh, be able to, to do comedy and which is maybe rare for a lady that's attracted to, to kind of like be also be able to do comedy and that, gave me a niche i loved sitcoms and again a situation comedy is a combination with theater and film i love those i wish i could have had one of my own i that's what i wanted for a while you know i wanted to uh do one of these greatly written sitcoms uh for for a while because uh they uh, it's a great you know you get to act in front of a live audience but you're also filmed so it's a combination of a very interesting um that i liked and so what was going through my mind i've always though felt very fortunate to uh be an actor for the longest time without needing to do anything else because you you meet a lot of people that have to have another job um 
you know, that they can't. Uh, they get one job and once in a while. So you can't make a living just solely by being an actor. And I was always very grateful that, and also it was scary because there's nothing else I could do in my life. <laughs> I've been an actor since I was 11. What else am I going to do? Uh, so hopefully this will stick. So. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's talk about, you know, the uh, the elephant in the room, the pillow in the room behind you. Let's talk about <laughs> FUBAR. What was it? Uh, what was it like? Did you have to audition for that project? Was it, you know, uh, let's talk about the process of getting involved in it and what you brought out of it, because it, it just seems like a really fantastic project. I've watched the first few episodes and absolutely loved it. Uh, but I figure, you know, I'll talk to you and then I'll watch the rest of it with a whole new appreciation for it. So what was that uh, experience like for you? Oh, great, because my character grows a lot uh, episode from episode five on. So you'll get to see a lot more of uh, this spunky woman that Tally is. Um, audition, yes, of course I had to audition. Uh, and uh, initially the project was called UTAP, in an untitled Arnold Schwarzenegger project. And immediately, you go, okay, this has got to be good. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's first uh, venture into television. Uh, and then I read, at the time, I only read, it was Top Secret Project. So they explained uh, the project and they, um, they just gave me two quite long audition scenes. And that's what I had. I knew about the project and the overall storyline and then these my character and these two scenes and of course there, there were one scene with uh, with Arnold and, and you know Luke and another scene it was just me and uh, Emma played by Monica Barbaro so a very in-depth scene that explored the relationship between mother and daughter and the scenes were exquisitely written I mean I was I have to do this there was the romantic side there was the, a little bit of the comedy the story of this woman that um, focused was the rock of the family for a long time and now she's thinking about herself with the encouragement of her daughter thinking about herself and her happiness and she has a new boyfriend and with this ex-husband still pining for her. So all of this, I could relate a lot to the character and uh, bring things to my personal life. You know, I, I thought that I had a lot in common with Tally. And so I really wanted to give my best. And luckily they gave us some time to prepare. You know, sometimes you get an audition and you have to go and get it you know, on a self-tape and you have one day or two days. This one they said, okay, four or five days, great. It's like, what a luxury. And so I kind of lived with the character for a while and I just said, I gotta give my best shot. And you put yourself on tape, it's a self-tape and you give, uh, you submit the self-tape and Nick Santora cast me pretty quickly. That's all it took. No callbacks, no, uh, they have these weird things now. They have these Zoom chemistry reads, which you have to test the chemistry with an other actor on Zoom which is surreal, <laughs> sort of a, yeah. so I didn't have to do those. Nick Santora said, okay, you know, and then I got it. And then he, we had, a, I had a Zoom with him, but I already knew that I was going to be it unless I totally blew it, you know. <laughs> um, and he told me, look, I have to tell you, I watched, of course, your whole audition, but I knew after maybe 20 seconds that, 
you were it. And I call my wife and I say, hey, you know, look at this. I got my tally. And uh, I was cast quickly. Um, I mean, soon in the, so they had Monica and they have Arnold and then they had me and then they had to go. So I had to keep the secret for a long time because it was top secret. You couldn't tell anybody. They didn't want to post anything. They didn't want to say it. So I had probably two people in my life that knew about it. And that's it. It was so big that if you say it, you know, the word's going to spread. So I had this surreal period of my life when I knew I was going to be part of something very, very important, but I couldn't tell anybody. So that was a kick, a different feeling, you know. That, oh, I, now I can't wait to finish it. And you really did hit the nail on the head with Zoom, chemistry, read, callbacks. I've had a few of those the last couple of years and they're, they're very yeah. fun. It, it, why wouldn't you do it? Oh God. Yeah. It's uh, it's a little crazy, but um, I, uh, I do want to see, you know, on that note, as we're wrapping up here, if you have any, uh, any advice you've personally held on to, you know, over the course of your career that you could pass on to maybe somebody who's acting right now and is trying to stick with it or somebody who's maybe getting out of school and they, they want to give it a shot. Do you have anything you could pass on to them? Well, first and foremost, I would say it is a tough life or career because nothing is guaranteed so i would say that you if you want to do it do it for the right reasons because it has to bring you joy you have to have a passion for it don't get into it because you want to be a celebrity or you want to be famous or you want to be senior want to be you want to have more followers that might hurt you you're always going to be comparing yourself to someone else there's always going to be somebody better somebody that gets a job from you but if you do it for the right reasons you will be able to enjoy smaller parts you will be able to enjoy the process studying even maybe auditioning you can enjoy auditioning if you are able to um, enjoy the process of creating a character of doing it so do it for Make sure it is your passion. Make sure you enjoy the studying, the researching of the character. And don't get too distracted by parties or followers or social media. And also maybe try to not neglect your personal life so much, too much. Um, it can be very, very um, self-consuming. Um, self, you can be very self-obsessed with it. You can be, you know, becomes very, so try to not neglect other aspects of your personal life and stay grounded. This city can eat you up. Um, the ups and downs can, you know, be dangerous for a young person, whether you never get the success or you get it and lose it. So just stay grounded. Try to surround yourself with people that you trust. And uh, that's about it. Maybe that's it. And that's all. <laughs> <laughs> no, both both are absolutely fantastic. I think they're paramount for anybody who's in this crazy industry. Uh, as we are coming to a close, I want to say first and foremost, thank you for being a part of this show. Uh, it was a dream come true. Uh, sorry, can't talk. A dream come true to chat with you and hear more about your story. Can't wait to check out FUBAR. And I have one more thing to do before we end the recording. And that's what. I like to call an awkward goodbye. Okay. Uh, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Wayne's World, but uh, Dana Carvey's kind of left to his own devices when Mike Myers walks off set and he's kind of mumbling. He's freaking out because he's on the show by himself. 
that was the moment of inception for this part of the podcast. So what I'll do is I'll just give a silent three, two, one. And when I point to you, give us your best verbal awkward goodbye, as awkward as possible. Does that sound fun? Yes. Okay. Uh, it's a challenge. It's <laughs> it fun. is a challenge. Okay. <laughs> I'm putting you on so, the spot. So it's going to be the my most awkward, best goodbye that I can think of. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Think of just, however awkward it, it can possibly be. Just go with it. Just go with it. Okay. All right, Fabiana. Thank you again so much. This was such a joy. And here we go in... Signori e signori, signori e signori, arrivederci, grazie, uh, signores e signores, hasta luego, e bueno, au revoir, eh, hasta la vista, baby. <laughs>